0: Here's a crazy question this morning. If you knew that this was your last week to live, if somehow you could know that, some way that you knew that if this was to be your last week to live, what would you do in this week? Think about that. If this was the last week that you were going to live, if you knew somehow you had advanced warning and you knew this was going to be your last week, what would you do? In this week. Now most of us probably do not like to think like that, but I believe today if we could see your answers, it would probably tell us a lot about you. If we could could see what your answers were, I believe it would reveal a lot about your priorities. It would reveal a lot about what it is that you hold as valuable. It would tell us about your true desires. What would you do if you knew this were your last week? I found a survey, it's an actual survey, and it's top 10 bucket list ideas. Uh, it was an actual survey of 10,000 people, and these are things that they want to do before they kick the bucket. That's the name bucket list. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you that from this 10,000 person survey, uh, the top 10 things, I'm going to count backwards from 10, evidently uh, these were some pretty weird people, I guess, no, number 10, top 10 bucket list ideas. Number 10, ride an elephant. Never really thought about riding an elephant. Number nine, go zip lining. Number eight, run a marathon. That's what I would do. I would speed it up. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Let's run a marathon. Number seven, go scuba diving. Done These are adventurous folks. Number six, get married. I hope their spouse doesn't read that. (laughs) Number five, seems seems pretty reasonable, go on a cruise. Last week, go on a cruise. Uh, Number four, swim with dolphins. Number three, get a tattoo. Number two is skydive. I guess you have nothing to lose if your chute doesn't open up. And number one, the number one thing to do on the the bucket list of these 10,000 people, see the northern lights. I didn't see that one coming at all. See the northern lights. Today in our verses, we're going to study, we're going to read again of the last week of our Lord's life. And as we travel through these days, as we move through these passages, it is revealing to us his priorities. It is revealing his priorities. Values and is telling us what he truly desires. What is it that Jesus truly desires? Again, revealed to us in our verses. Today, we're in Luke chapter 20. We're gonna look at the first eight verses, Luke chapter 20, verses one through eight. Our message today is entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Who Do You Think You Are? I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 20, the first Eight verses. God's word says this. On one of the days, while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. And they spoke, saying to him, tell us by what authority you are doing these things, or who is the one who gave you this authority? Jesus answered and said to them, I also will also ask you a question And you tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? They reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, well, why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today we are thankful that you are absolutely faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. We're thankful that in all days you're trustworthy. We're thankful that your, your character is unbending. It doesn't, it doesn't shift, but that you're gracious, that you're kind, that you're merciful, that you're mighty And so we gather today as your people and we exalt you. Today we come as your people and we lift up the name of Jesus, our Savior. We come and as we begin to study your word this morning, I pray that that it truly would again be a supernatural event that that you would speak from your word to your people. And I pray that our hearts would be changed. I pray that we would would draw closer to you, that we would have a a better understanding of, of what it is that our Savior prioritized and valued. I pray for some maybe in this room that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hearing of your word, today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that whatever goes on today, that you'd be greatly honored through it. We tell you, we love you and we worship you. We truly do praise you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. For our study today, I have broken the verses into four categories, or really four subject headings for us to examine, for us to work through as we go through the verses this morning. They are the place of the gospel, the preacher of the gospel, the prophet of the gospel, and last, the pushback against the gospel. Again, four categories for us to observe our verses through. They are, again, the place of the gospel, the preacher of the gospel, the prophet of the gospel, and last, the pushback against the gospel. Now, first, we need to, again, regain the context of this day's events. And really, we have to understand what is going on on this day in the greater context of what is going on. Remember, Jesus has traveled to Jerusalem for the final time. He has ridden down into the capital city and he was held as the coming king, really as the prophesied Messiah as he comes down. Then, last week in our verses, we see as he cleans out and really he points out all of the false worship that is going on there in the temple. Now, I want to go back to verses 47 and 48 of chapter 19 and I want to read them again. Listen to this chapter 19, verses 47 and 48. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do for all the people were hanging on to every word he said. The chief priests, the scribes, the the leading men, the Bible says, are trying, they're seeking To destroy him. That is their intent. They're seeking to destroy him. It it translates, destroy translates to put him out of the way or to abolish him. Another translation says to bring his ruin. All of them said literally to kill him. So so that is their intent. As Jesus is teaching there in the temple, these people are seeking his ruin. They're seeking to remove him, to be done with him, to, to really destroy Jesus. And that is the context that we find our verses today. So we move into our verses first today and we see the place of the gospel. The place of the gospel. Look at verse one. On one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. On one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. On one of the last days in this week, on one of these days in this last week, the Bible tells us that he is teaching and preaching in the temple. It also tells us that group, those that want to abolish him, those that want to ruin him, the the chief priests, the scribes and the elders, the leading men, that they confronted him. Now I want you to see the picture as it builds here. Understanding the context, they're seeking to destroy him. That is their plan. And now they have confronted him. The word for confronted means to come upon. It means to present themselves, but see this. It also means to stand over. And, and so here are these men, see the picture here. Here's this sorry bunch of guys. Here's this, this wicked group and they, they come up to Jesus and they, they stand over Jesus and there they are and they piously confront Jesus. And so see the picture, here they are. Now they've approached and they're standing over our Savior. Now before we move on, here's a big thing. What is Jesus doing in the last week of his life? It does reveal a lot about his priority set. It does reveal a lot about his purpose, his his true and actual desire. What is Jesus doing on one of these last days of his life? Verse 1 says, he is teaching the people. It means to cause to learn or to impart and to give knowledge, to cause to learn, to impart, to give knowledge. He is, he is teaching the people, and the Bible says, and he is preaching the gospel. He is preaching the gospel. In the Greek, that is actually just one word, and it actually means gospelizing. It, it translates Gospelizing. Now that's a pretty awesome word. That's a, a pretty great word. He is there and he is teaching the people and he is gospelizing the people. In the, in the New Testament, that means to announce the complete message of the good news. Now listen, all those words matter. It means to to announce the complete message of the good news. See this today. In his last week, Jesus is preaching the gospel. Here we find him at the temple and he is laying out, he is telling, he is explaining the full message of the gospel. Can you imagine that? Wow, I mean, can you imagine that? Oh, I would have loved to have, to have been there. I would have loved to have, to have heard that. The Savior, as he explains His gospel. Can you even picture that? Here's the Savior, Jesus Christ, and He is carefully explaining His gospel. I know He's using the scripture, and maybe He starts off with God, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai. And maybe He says, If you've seen Me, then you've seen the Father. I am the the Son of God, and every part and every parcel, I am fully God. Or maybe He talks about creation. Oh, you, you, you want to know about creation. When well, I want to tell you, brother, you've come to the right place, I am the creator. And I spoke it all into existence and not one thing exists apart from me. Or maybe he talks about sin. He talks about the hurt and the heartache and the, the guilt of sin. And, and maybe there in that conversation, he says, listen to me. I am the savior. I will remedy it. I will redeem you from sin. Or maybe he talks about the law to these Jews. Maybe he talks about the law and he says, Not one dot or not one tittle will pass away, but that I will fulfill it. I'm going to do what you could never do. You see, in it you are condemned. In it you're dead. But it was always pointing to me and I'm going to give you life. Or maybe there he talks about his lineage. And somebody wants to talk about their family line and they want to talk about who they're related to. And he says, you want to talk about family? I could talk and I could start with my great, great, great granddaddy David. Or I could go back even further to his great, great, great granddaddy Abraham. You want to talk about family? And he opens up the scriptures and he begins to lay it out for them. Or maybe he talks about the payment, the sacrifice that he will make. You see, they knew that without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. And so maybe he says, all of the lambs in this place, all of the blood that's been spilled in this place, they pointed to me. And maybe he said, see these hands and see these feet; They're gonna be pierced through for your transgressions. By my stripes, you're gonna be healed. Or maybe he talks about the resurrection. Maybe he says, just like Jonah, y'all remember Jonah. Three days in the fish, so three days will the Son of Man be in the grave, but I'm gonna be alive again. Look for me. I'm gonna be alive. And just like Job, my servant, said, my Redeemer liveth, and he standeth on the earth in the last days. Or maybe he tells them there of the future, Maybe he tells them there of the ending of it all. And he says, with the work of redemption finally fulfilled, with the payment of sin forever satisfied, he's gonna come back and he's gonna come for his bride. And with the world cleansed off and with no stain of sin, he's gonna stand as the king of kings and lord of lords. And in his last days, Jesus preaches the gospel. What place does the gospel hold? First place. What priority does the gospel hold? First priority. Oh, dear friend, that we would never lose sight of that, that we would never stop proclaiming the gospel. It's what Jesus did. 2018, a new year. Let us be a gospelizing church, telling the full counsel of the God given, grace-filled gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us be a gospelizing church. That's just the first point. Y'all thought that's the whole sermon. Second, the preacher of the gospel. The preacher of the gospel. Look at verse 2. And they spoke, can you imagine this? And they spoke saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Or who is the one who gave you this authority? Verse two, they ask really a couple of questions. They ask whose authority are you doing these things? By whose authority are you doing these things? And then they they ask the question, "And and who gave you that authority? Who gave it to you? Now, remember here, Jesus has come to the temple and basically, he has taken over the temple. He has run out the crooks there, those false worshipers. He has turned over the tables, the Bible tells us. He has called out their hypocrisy there. And now he stands there in the outer courts, and he is teaching, and he is preaching the gospel. Basically, he has is, he is overrun. He taken over the temple. And so they ask the question here, what authority do you have? And who gave it to you? That's what they ask him. When they see what he's done here, they come and ask, What what, what authority do you have? And who gave it to you? Now, see this. Stay with me. It's pretty cool. Notice here, they do not question the miracle. Remember Lazarus, remember they see the miracles and they proclaim, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice here, they do not question the miracles because they would have confirmed the gospel message. They would have confirmed him. So they do not question the miracles. Notice here, they do not question his teachings. They do not come and say, well, let's, let's get out the scriptures and okay, let's, let's get the scriptures out and let's check this out. They do not want to survey and check out the scriptures because they would have confirmed him. No, they basically ask, who do you think you are? Really, that's, that's the question that they ask here. You see, they didn't want to evaluate Jesus. They didn't, they didn't want to know Jesus. They wanted to remove Jesus. And so, so they bring up the issue, who, who do you think that you are? You from, from Galilee. You, a, a, a carpenter's son. You, the Messiah. Who, who do you think that you are? Instead of attacking the gospel, they attack the preacher of the gospel. The miracles, they're gonna point to Jesus as the Messiah. They confirm it. The scripture, it's gonna add up. The scripture's clearly gonna add up and it's gonna confirm Jesus as the Messiah. But they say, but you, you, who do you think that you are? Here's what I've noticed. It's still the same. For those who will declare the truth and the fullness of it. Folks that want to accuse them, they don't want to talk about changed lives. Well, look at the lives that have been changed by the power and the grace of God through the hearing of the gospel. They don't want to talk about changed lives. They don't want to see verses. They don't want to hear God's truth. But they still attack the messenger. Who do you think you are? Who, Who do you think you are? We know you. Who are you? We we know your past. Who do you think that you are? And they attack the messenger. They did it to Jesus, not just as the messenger, but also as the Messiah. And so we see the preacher of the gospel. Next we see the prophet of the gospel. The prophet of the gospel. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and he said to them, I will also ask you a question and you tell me. Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you a question and you tell me. Now notice this, be be sure to see this, it's important. Jesus doesn't evade the question. Sometimes we read that and they, well, he just just dismissed the question. He doesn't evade the question. He doesn't dismiss the question. No he answers the question but he answers the question with a question and the correct answer from that question will be the answer and so he doesn't just dismiss it he gives them an answer he answers in the form of a question and when they when they answer that question they're going to have their answer he says you ask and so he says i'll let you answer that's what's going on here you ask the question I'll let you answer. I'll let you tell us. Verse four. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Now see this. John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for Jesus. He was very deliberately sent from God as a prophet to foretell and to prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll just tell you, we, I believe, make too light of his ministry. We do not fully understand the, the, the magnitude of his ministry. And I think we're failing to see the importance of, of John the Baptist and his ministry. Understand today, he is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is the transition between the prophets who told of the coming of the Messiah and now the coming of that Messiah. Isaiah chapter 40 verse three says this, a voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Remember that word. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth a highway for our God. Malachi chapter three verse one says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And then we see the fulfillment of that recorded in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Now, in those days, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For is it, this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet, who said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the lord make his paths straight and so understand john the baptist is this prophet and see this he comes and his his ministry of preparation is to call israel to call the nation to repent that's what he does he calls out he points out their sin he confronts them of their sin and then he calls them to repent for that sin. In the Jordan River, we see that he is conducting a baptism of repentance. Now, what that means is they would come out there to the Jordan River, they would confess their sins, they would repent of those sins, and they would be baptized to show their true repentance over those sins. Now, see this. They would confess the sin, they would repent of the sin, but they still had a sin problem. You see, they still needed a Savior. They would come and they might see their sin. They might grieve over their sin. Oh, I wish I'd have never gone into that sin and they would repent of that sin. They still needed a Savior. They still needed a Messiah. And with all the people now aware of their sin, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist points out the need and then he points to Jesus. Isn't that really the the purpose of the gospel? to see your need, to see a holy God, to see how sinful we are before a holy God and to see the Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. That's that's our job today. That's our commission today. That's gospelizing today to point to the need and then point to the answer, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus asks here, was this ministry, was this baptism of God or was it of men? He's asking, did, did God lead this? Isaiah, Malachi. Did, did, did God do this? Or did man devise it? That's his question. Verse five. They reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why did you not believe him? Pretty smart. Verse Verse five, the, the, the question is, why not? Really, I read that, why, why didn't you believe him? Can, can you imagine that? Why, why wouldn't you believe him? Is, is your plan so great? Is the position you have so great that you, that you wouldn't believe him? Why, why not? Well, it's the same today. Why wouldn't you believe him? Is your agenda so great? Is your life so great in your sin? Why wouldn't you believe him? And they they figure that out. If we say it's of God, they're going to say, why didn't you believe him? Verse 6. But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. They reason, that's what the Bible says, it means they confer and they talk it all out. If we, if we say it was of a God, Jesus is gonna say, well, why didn't you believe it? The people say, why didn't you believe it? If, if we say it's of man, these people are convinced that John the Baptist was a prophet speaking from God. They're gonna, they're gonna rear up and they're gonna stone us. They're gonna, they're gonna kill us. And so they're conferring here. They're reasoning here. And then we see the pushback to the gospel. The pushback to the gospel. Verse seven. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. Get this, so they answered. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. What's the opposite of truth? It's a lie. You, you do not have to confer on the truth. You do not have to talk and to formulate the truth. You don't have to plan what you're going to say if you're going to speak the truth. And so we find them here, and they are plotting, and they are planning, and they lie. They answer with a lie. They push back. They deny the truth, and they introduce a lie. Lies always the opposite of the gospel. Lies always what you have to embrace if you're not gonna embrace the gospel. They, they formulate and they talk and they introduce a lie. Verse eight. And Jesus said to them, nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The answer to both questions is God. It it, it was God's authority. Jesus is saying, God sent him, God also sent me. It is his authority. And Jesus said to them, nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus dismisses their question. Jesus moves on. Wouldn't you like to answer them? Honestly, wouldn't you like to answer them? I guess I've still got a little bit of fire left in me, not much, but maybe a little bit. But wouldn't you you like to answer them? Wouldn't you like to stand up on behalf of Jesus and say, Are you serious? Are you serious? It's Jesus, it's Jesus. He's the savior, he's the creator of all things. He's the image of the invisible God, he's fully God. Are you serious? He's the king, are you serious? It's the Lord, how dare you, wicked men? How dare you, sinful men? By whose authority? It's Jesus, it's him, it's Jesus. I wanna tell How I wanna answer for him. want to tell him he shows them you see from here he goes to the cross and he endures its shame and he dies in our place he dies in their place and they place him in the ground and 3 days later in resurrection power He stands, he comes out of the grave and he stands there in resurrection victory and he shows them by whose authority he comes, by whose authority he holds. He stands there and he stands as the risen, reigning King Jesus. And to those who didn't believe, you want to know whose authority? It's me and I hold all authority. And he shows them as the risen, reigning King Jesus. He shows them. That's our Savior. That's our Savior. He didn't have to endure that. He could have called 10 legions of angels. He didn't have to endure it, but he shows them. You want to know? He shows them to the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection. That is our Savior. So gracious, so merciful, So mighty. And then the question of verse five stands again. So why did you not believe in him? Why did we not believe in him? If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, look at all the evidence. Look what God has done. Look what God foretold. Look what he did through his only begotten son, Jesus. Why do you not believe him? Believe him today. Believe him today. Why did you not believe in him? Saddest question. Held the answers, loved their position. Why did you not believe in him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I am thankful for my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am thankful. I am So sorry that wicked people have continually tread upon your name, have continually tried to to jerk out your glory, have tried to to bring you down to a level and tried to exalt themselves. I'm I'm sorry that at the hands of sinful men, they stood over you. The creator, the king, and they stood over you. I'm so thankful that you walked it out. The greatest act of Grace, the greatest expression of judgment, you go to the cross. And you take on my sin, you take on their sin. And you die taking on the wrath of God poured out upon you. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. What a Savior. Lord, I worship you. I come now and I pray that if there's any in this room that do not know you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day by faith and a true knowledge of the gospel, a true knowledge of Jesus, by faith in him, they would be saved. Pray that you move in our midst. Pray for some here again that, that today they're lost. And I pray again you stir in their hearts. I pray for a decision to be made to your glory, point to you. Lord, we come and we just open our hands and tell you today, we love you, we thank you. We praise you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.